good evening, Patriots. And it's, well, here where I'm at, Wednesday, August 31st in the year 2022. If you're on the East Coast, I think you just walked into Thursday. That'll get here soon enough. Patriots, we have a kind of a, just a, another unfolding and unraveling as we kind of look at the world and see how quickly things are falling apart. And they're going to fall apart, I believe, completely before we start to see a rebuild. It's going to get a little tough. And it's important right now that we're truly listening to what God's guiding us to do and, and where he's leading us. These are going to be some very important times for us to keep our ear to God and, as we move through this. Before we begin... Make sure you've got some good coffee each day to keep you going. And the reason I bring that up is Mike Lindell has launched his My Coffee on mystore.com forward slash bards. And it is with your promo code, you get 25% off. It's great coffee, roasted in the United States, organic, incredible flavor. So take a listen to what Mike has to say. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, and I'm excited to announce my new product, My Coffee. When I tried my coffee for the first time, I was blown away. It's the best coffee I've ever had in my life. And it starts with the beans that are grown in Honduras. They have the perfect climate for growing coffee plants, which produce the best beans ever. Each batch is tested to meet the highest industry standards and all the production's done right here in the USA. It's like you're getting that small batch specialty coffee delivered right to your front door. And you can get them ground or whole bean or in the single serve coffee pods. Plus it's certified organic and non-GMO. And I guarantee it'll be the richest, smoothest, best coffee you've ever had. So go to mystore.com or call the number on your screen now. Use your promo code and I'll get you my coffee for 25% off. That's mystore.com. It's my new platform for USA entrepreneurs. So please order now. So that's my coffee. That's actually mystore.com forward slash bards promo code bards. And you'll get your 25% off and all other sorts of great specials on that site. So Patriots, let's just sit back here a little minute and just take a consideration for all the things that are happening. The food issue is central to what we're dealing with. And we haven't, I really haven't been beating the drum hard on that lately, but it's really important that we revisit it because they're definitely waging a war on food. Now, I'm not a big fan of David Icke, but he has a really good perspective here in about 60 seconds I want you to hear, which pretty much sums up the entire globalist agenda in the near term. And it's important to take a listen to what he's got to say. Why has the Dutch government, a guy called Rutter, the Prime Minister, completely owned by the World Economic Forum, uh, Klaus Schwab, why has he just announced that the Netherlands, the second biggest exporter of food in the world, is targeting farmers to destroy them and get them off the land, which is where all these farming protests in the Netherlands have come from. At a time of food shortages and supply chain problems, you are targeting the second biggest exporter of food in the bloody world to destroy its farming base. Why are you doing that? If people depend on you for what's left of the food, you control them. Where food is abundant and cheap, you do not control them. Where energy is cheap and abundant, you do not control them. Scarcity equals dependency equals control. And that's why they're targeting the food chain, they're targeting the energy supply, they're targeting everything. Why? The Great Awakening is happening at such an amazing pace that they're running out of options that are before us. We're dealing with a global shift on every level to try to keep people off base. And they're doing it knowing that they're not going to get everything that they want. But they are satisfied in disrupting people's lives to such a degree that we're left with having to accept whatever offer they provide. We're dealing with an economy that has four quadrillion derivatives of derivative debt. That means 
four quadrillion in debt that has absolutely nothing securing it. It's just been created out of thin air. And this economy is on a tipping point. Now, the United States is at a critical point because when we lose, when we lose our financial ability to buy, what's going to come out of here is panic. People right now are not anchored enough, in my opinion, as a nation, not talking about Bard's nation, but as a nation for the sort of demand that's going to fall upon them as these things unravel. And the worst place to possibly be is cities. And there's a calling right now, in, in my opinion, towards everybody that will listen and hear God to do as directed. Some of those callings are simple. They're things like get supplies, get this, get that. Other callings are deeper. What I know is this trip that I'm on is a calling. And God's put it on my heart to do a number of things, and I've, I will continue to speak the message, which are the five points of what we're trying to accomplish here and make people aware of. But the most important part of all of that is people need to get close and intimate with Jesus. And I, and I know we say these things a lot. I know we've talked, if you've been in church culture or you've just been in a person of faith, we know that. But this is, this is an urgency. Because what's unraveling? If we just look at facts, we don't even have to take a doomsday scenario. We don't have to take, I'm not, and I'm not taking a, a revelation scenario. But if we just look at facts and see what's happening, we can see how things are unwinding. And they're unwinding very, very quickly. I want to read some headlines from Zero Hedge. And Zero Hedge is just a good aggregate of a lot of economic news. And this is some of the things that they're facing. So here's, here's one right off the top. Just days after phasing out new gas cars. Remember, California said there can be no new gas cars after 2035. California now says avoid charging electric vehicles amid grid emergency. They have so, their demand is so high and their production is so low. Their green model is imploding. And if you've purchased an electric car, you're paying for it too. There's no more free electricity. One of the pieces I listened to this morning, the guy was paying $25 an hour to charge his car, and his car had charged for over 12 hours. Try that one. We have complete destabilization of our government with the rise, for example, of the IRS Auditor Army, which is 80 battalions worth, that will do nothing but retard the growth of any economy that's left and they will be assaulting everybody through audit and through threat of violence if you don't pay taxes. This is a desperate and also maniacal government. It is literally going to do anything it can to destroy its citizens. So keep in mind they don't want people to drive because they're going to we just had a, a petroleum plant spontaneously combust like these food plants in Indiana a BP plant that accounts for 25% of the refined gasoline in the nation. Gas prices or diesel prices are now up on an average to over $5 a gallon. That means that price is going to be transmitted and transferred onto the consumer with food prices that are already skyrocketing. All of these things are actually obscuring the deeper part of this, which is the dollar is imploding. The petrodollar, the the World currency, reserve currency, is now on a slide into the abyss of hell. And that treasury note is going to be replaced eventually by a central bank digital currency, a CBDC. And so the way to get people there is to rupture everything that they're familiar with, control the food, destroy the access to cheap food, Make sure that people's earnings that are in the banks get literally obliterated and then provide them with a new reset, which will be through a programmable digital currency, which will be offered in terms of a universal basic income. And you'll get that income in a, in a way that will tell you how you can spend it and what you can spend it on. If you don't want to believe it's coming, it's coming. <laughs> it's that simple. And this is the step forward to keeping, to locking the country into a perpetual Tholian's web. Meaning we will, the idea is if we go into this, you're never going to get out. 
Now, that walk that we have in the faith of God means that we're going to be, have to hold that line. And this is a government that's becoming increasingly threatening. We have an FBI that's out of control. We have an IRS that's out of control. We have a DOJ that's out of control. The DOJ has told the FBI not to speak to anything on Congress about this raid on Trump. I mean, this is unheard of. We have transgenderism becoming the main agenda of our nation. The military is more worried about people getting their weenies whacked off than actually fighting an enemy. And the logistics supply chain on that alone is nightmarish. For every person that's going through transgender transition or has gone through the transition, they require a constant supply of hormones and other drugs. So I want you to think about that a minute in the sense of a battle. They're putting these people on the front line. That means that logistically, no matter where they are deployed, they have to have a supply chain built into them that they have to deliver them with regular resupplies of these hormones. They've added a layer of complexity to an already overtaxed supply chain system. And that's just one aspect of the transgender craziness. I mean, it was well said by an account on Twitter, and this is what they wrote. This account is R-I or R-Y underscore serene, S-C-R-E-N-E. Transgenderism is a software problem sold as a hardware problem, which is exactly correct. And this is where we are dealing with because they see the world in terms of your brain as software that can be programmed and your body as body that can be modified like you can modify a Jeep, like you can modify a car. That's the future which they are trying to push upon humanity. And this is a very critical hour for humanity. It's not an hour to be idly passing by. And there's days that I know that it seems like we can or would like to. But every bit of our time needs to be focused on what this war is actually doing and what we're going to do about it. That means absorbing and taking in as much knowledge and skills as we possibly can. It means building these knowledge libraries in paper, not in digits. And it means building this constant knowledge and depth in our relationship with Jesus. And, of course, right Christ through the Father. That's the part of this model that's very interesting to me because it seems very ethereal when we talk about it. And it's the most important part of all of this. When we are literally understanding who we are, it's not an our, ab, our normal day, let me put it like this, our normal day in, a, in this world that we have been part of, that normal is that our relationship through Christ to the Father is a periodic prayer, is a periodic conversation, is a periodic visit to the checkup facility known as the pew in the church. That's actually abnormal to how we're supposed to be living. Our actual normal is that we are in a constant breathing, living, walking relationship with Father through Christ in everything that we do, and that that conversation and dialogue becomes so native to us that we don't even think about it anymore, that every single thing that we're doing is guided by Him. And when we're in that space, we literally are accomplishing dominion over this entire earth. The problem is we're still very trained and conditioned not to do that. We're in a place where we are, we look at things and we pass over the signs and the signals that God speaks to us. And God speaks in many forms. So let me, let me give you an example of this. And, I, and I'm going to tell you, I have no idea what this means. Okay. Other than the fact that it's just a very interesting series of events that have happened in the last few days to me. And I'm paying attention. I don't know what the message is. But you can't ignore it. So you can't ignore a fact that I had a weekend where we, there was a lot of discussion about John F. Kennedy and John F. Kennedy Jr. Leading to an ongoing discussion over on the trip out to Arkansas. In fact, an hour-long discussion about John F. Kennedy Jr., John F. Kennedy, John F. Kennedy Jr.'s death, etc., with a very close friend. 
to arrive at a place that I've never been to before, Heber Springs, Arkansas. And as I drive across the dam in Heber Springs, there is an unknown to me, a John F. Kennedy memorial, literally two miles from where I'm staying. And the person I'm visiting here, not knowing any of that, put out that they would meet me today at the John F. Kennedy Memorial. Now, those things seem like simple coincidences. Those are far more than that. And this is where we have to start getting back to what's God's dialogue. Now, I don't, I don't have that message translated. But what we do know is this entire event that we're part of right now pivots back to the assassination of John F. Kennedy. That we can't deny. And integral to that is also some sort of a relationship of the wiping out of the Kennedy family, including John Jr. So what is God's message? I don't know. I'm praying on it, but it's, it's not accidental. And if we aren't paying attention to these repeated events of how God's communicating, we're missing a big part of the message. God communicates in many different forms. And it isn't like we're supposed to stand out and under the sky and look for signs and wonders, but God provides these signs and wonders through a normal day when we are in tune with him because that's the communication. And as we follow that, it is literally we walk by faith, not by sight. It's a very critical premise. And right now, more than ever, we have to be digging into this deeper and deeper, into that deep and intimate relationship with him. The world that we're facing is a world that is extinguished. It's done. It's, it is a world that we're no longer part of. They're going to fight in every aspect they can to force us into that world. Food is a mechanism to force you to starve. But here's the thing that's interesting. If we are truly walking in that relationship with Christ and with Father, then we are wandering, we are walking in the desert, so to speak. And what did he do in the desert? He provided manna for them. This is someone that said this to me well over a year ago, someone very well studied in Scripture, and I really appreciated the comment, another friend of mine, that said, you know, there is a point of prepping, and then there's a point of trusting. And what he said is, is we should prep, because that's as is in Scripture. We should be well prepared for days of shortages and days of these where things are not as abundant. But at the same time, if we're truly walking in the faith of the Lord, even in the most extreme of situations where everything runs out, God will still provide what we need, whether it's a basket of food on your doorstep or mana falling out of your ceiling in your house. It will happen. And there's a lot of truth to that statement. Again, how much do we trust and how much do we believe? The whole principle right now in this deep, in this deep cabal is to disarm us and destabilize us. And I don't mean just disarming by weapons because they want to do that. But they want to disarm us in our faith. They want to disarm us in the wielding of the sword of the spirit. They want to disarm us in the wielding of our understanding of dominion over evil. And so they attack it on many different levels. They attack it with fear. Fuel prices, they, the rent, people being evicted on rents, they are manipulating an economy to create chaos, and chaos breeds fear and anxiety. And they're trying to stimulate and fuel a civil war. There will be likely another breakout of a, quote, pandemic. This one will be those that have been injected will now be coming subject to more sickness. Watch for them to likely bring out yet another injection to rapidly accelerated injection with another emergency use authorization and then watch again what happens. More and more people will get sick. That, that whole idea of the pandemic is far from over because they have a group of people that are now hooked on this shot that need it actually to maintain their immune systems which have been destroyed and they will continue to spiral down until they at least they on their own or they with help come to the understanding that the only way through this is to humble themselves before God and to seek the repentance to repair their body, to repair their sins, to repair all of that so they can once again stand next to the throne. And I think that's the 
big crux here is that we see repentance as a very heavy and loathsome sort of activity. And I don't know if everybody sees it as loathsome. I'm using that term intentionally. But it's a heavy thing. It's like, I must repent. I must be on my knees. I must grovel before God and beg him for the mercy that he gives. I want to say this again. I said it last night. I'm going to be saying it frequently, but I want you to think about something here. God sacrificed his only son for us. And if we listen to kind of a common narrative within Christian faith, us translates to a forever sinful group of people. We are, we are sinners and we must always be in the place of groveling before God because no matter what we do, we sin. That's a funny thing to say. Why would you sacrifice your son to a group of people like that? And here's my take on it. And you can take it or leave it, but I'm comfortable with this, and I've taken this to prayer, and I'm comfortable, very comfortable with what I'm going to tell you. God didn't sacrifice his only son for a bunch of sinners. He sacrificed his only son for his greatest creation. And through that process, he's allowed his greatest creation, which would be us, to once again be able to seek that position next to the throne by accepting Christ in their heart. That's a profound shift in who we are. It's a profound paradigm shift in how we see ourselves. And it's that in its core to me that is one of the most threatening issues to this global cabal. They know that we are of royal blood. They know that if we awaken to that, that we have complete dominion over them and everything that they do. And in that moment, once we achieve that understanding, they cease to exist. Their power goes away. But for us to assert that dominion, we have to be able to trust in God and truly have that intimate and walking, living, breathing relationship with him to have him guide us in this world. Eyes always on him. I mentioned this before, and it's just a quick snapshot as people look for politics to solve things as we head into the fall. This sort of hyper anxiety that somehow the November 8th elections this year will solve it all. We're going to have a red wave. Well, if the primaries are in the indication, I'm going to tell you there's no way in hell it's going to happen. And for one particular reason that not enough people are recognizing. I don't know of any candidate that went through the primary in August that turned to God first to thank God for their victory. Rather, it was always you, the people, did it, and we did it together. Well, where's God in that equation? So if we aren't going to be fighting on a platform politically and bringing God into that fight for whatever reason they're not, whether it's they don't believe it, whether they don't have the conviction, or whether they're afraid they're going to cross some sort of stupid line that says that you can't use God in politics, that's in their head. We aren't on a winning path on a winning team. And when we the people start to declare God in everything we do, of our successes, and even in those moments when we're challenged, that's when we turn to God as well. If we live this way to give credit to him in all things, that's where our eyes need to be. And what's interesting about that is as we do that, we start to step away from all political relationships and we start to step into a deeper relationship for what the world should be. This is a very important point. Because part of what the elites are panicked about, in my opinion, is that in this great awakening, we are quickly moving away from having any concern about their power, and therefore we are making them irrelevant. And once they become irrelevant, all they are is loud noisemakers and maybe even as low as party favors that you hand out to everybody to spin around and make a little bit of noise and then throw it in the garbage. But they also have still the threat of authority, the threat of force, which people are complying to or at least are bowing to. When we have the courage as people to stand up and face this, to say no 
absolutely without any hesitation, then we are in a place where we are beginning to resist and become ungovernable under the systems of which these corrupt men and women have created. And that's a very important principle that we have to uphold. If we aren't willing to constantly put our eyes to God, to seek him out as a nation, then we are going to weather the pains of what it is in a nation that has rejected God. And that isn't to say that God is gone. He's just going to let us walk that path to discover what it's like, and it's going to hurt. To a certain degree, we're already feeling it. So that leads us to really where we as a remnant, we as people have a significant and masterfully influential role. And that's our role in bringing people to the opening and and relationship, deep relationship with Jesus. And how is that done? We've talked, we all have different ideas. Some people do brilliantly with quoting scriptures. Other people do brilliantly through sitting down and having a cup of coffee and talking politics. Other people do it through work and efforts and connecting what's in their in creation of their hands to the power of God. However you choose to do it, each of us has that obligation to quite literally expand the kingdom and to bring people to that relationship and understanding, more importantly, of what that relationship in Christ brings. We can't force them to drink. Any more than you can bring a horse to water, you can't force them to drink. We can't bring people to Jesus and force them to accept them in this heart. That's a false narrative. It's a false relationship. And sadly, there's a lot of that that's out there. But if we are walking with Christ and we're living in that breathing demonstration of what that love and compassion is like, and also to not forget to state this, it's not just the love and the compassion, it's the authority, it's the intensity, it's the focus of the warrior soul. Christ did not walk into the Pharisees and say, hey, folks, I'm here. I'd like to talk to you about all of your sinful ways, but instead of talking about it, I just want to give you all a big hug. That didn't happen. I'm sorry. And it would crack me up if it did because it'd be like, oh, that's interesting. But he instead, he debated them. He challenged them. Christ didn't walk into the market and go, hey, guys, I just love the fact that you're taking tithes and you're turning them into dollars and you're using some Babylonian money magic to turn those dollars into more loans and more profit. I think that's a great idea. How about this? How about if we pour a cup of tea and we each give each other a kiss on the cheek and we're going to call it a day? No, he flipped tables. And the problem with us forgetting the intensity of Christ, which is very easy to do, especially in this age. If you look at the narrative that's going on with this transgender, this LGBTQ garbage, this attack on males garbage, what they're doing is they're, they're taking away the warrior spirit so that people will have a propensity not to fight, but instead to comply. That's not God's way. We're behind enemy lines, <laughs> and we're opening up and realizing how intense this really is because this enemy isn't playing. This enemy's arming. This enemy's bringing people together. This enemy's coming up with more and more tactics to try to terrorize people in their homes. And at the same time, as I've mentioned already, as we drive across this nation, what you see are Americans working hard. You see crosses. You see the revival of the a reviving of the true love in Jesus. And yet there's a deep seated acceptance that somehow we've been defeated. And that's sad to me more than sad. It's tragic that a nation that was given so much by God and a nation that has so much before it in its love and relationship with Jesus is to a certain degree struggling with the idea of whether it is defeated or not. The examples that I've given of the Methodist church, for example, up in northern Georgia, that is now breaking away from the Methodist corporation because of their press to have gay pastors. They're buying out their church at $17 million to 
now be independent from the Methodist Corporation. That's fantastic news. That's big, bold, shaking news where people are saying no more. And that's the sort of courage that we all need to bring into this world. Because there is not enough of the understanding that as we hold the line, it also means making strong and firm, definitive statements, lines in which we will hold against this enemy. We can't work in a compromised space, constantly always trying to get compromised to achieve some form of love. Christ did not walk that way. There's not compromise with Christ. There is his way through him to the Father. And when we start to get that resolve in our lives and live with that passion and in that intensity, this cabal doesn't just shake, its roots begin to crumble. And that's literally where we sit as a nation is at that crossroads of what are we going to do? We have to find the resolve to understand that what's before us is opportunity unprecedented. An opportunity to reset this nation truly with God on the throne above all. An opportunity that as we face it right now will lead us to a path where we start to see the love and the compassion of Christ in everyone's hearts. And for those that don't like it, that's too bad. But we are the majority voice, not just a minority voice. They are the minority, but they're louder. I'm not telling you to scream louder, but my point is their actions are louder, their actions are more bold, and their actions are intimidating for many. And that's going to require us to have to set back and just make a decision. How do we fight? That humble warrior will carry the sword of the Spirit, which is mighty. But that humble warrior will never unstrap that sword of steel from his hip. He will not stop training with it. He will not stop being prepared to use it if God calls. And he'll accept that walk to understand that if God calls to wield the sword of steel, listen closely. It might be like Peter to strike off the ear to later see the ear healed. But points will be made and, dis- and the, the examples will be created as God needs. But what's most amazing as I travel around and I meet with people is that God is truly calling those right now that are unsuspecting. And I've come to this simple conclusion. It isn't that anyone's better than anyone else, but what God is calling as he calls to all, what God is receiving are the many that are just willing to say, okay, God, whatever you need, I am here. Many of those people are not regular churchgoers. Many of those people don't even go to church, but they're listening to what Father's saying. They're hearing what he's saying, and they're responding. They're not just standing. They're arriving at the destination to say, guide me further. That's the power of the time in which we live, and this is a profound time, time when there's unprecedented levels of corruption within every rank and file of what we considered to be sacred, children being assaulted by transgenderism, by Q theory, by all of the different programming that's going on at schools. Seniors continuing to be targeted and ignored. Many of them have taken the vax and now they're suffering the consequence and they just get written off as death unknown. That's the wisdom class. And the new class coming up, those newborns, those new young minds, instead of connecting them with the wisdom class, we continue to keep them apart. And in so doing, we create the problem ourselves. And see, that's ultimately where we arrive, which is an unbelievable place if you sit back and think about it. Look around your life. In fact, this is what I challenge you to do right now. Take a moment, take a breath. Look around everywhere where you are. Look around your environment. And I challenge you to find somebody that's near you, in proximity to you, that is literally taking your neck and forcing you to do something. Hopefully you're not, that that exceptional example will probably be like, yeah, man, I said a spare word just as you said that, and my mom grabbed me by the neck and washed my mouth out with soap. (laughs) 
Well, that might be a little different. But you see my point. And the point here is that as we are sitting in such a time right now, no one is forcing us to do this. No one is forcing somebody to take the injection. No one is forcing you to go against the Constitution. No one's forcing you to use a gun and body armor to threaten people to repossess their house or to force them to comply with standards of a vaccine that's killing people or a mask. Instead, as these rules and regulations are put forward and people become more obedient to a system of tyranny, we are destroying ourselves by ourselves, by our own hand, by our free will. That's the sickness. And there's nothing they want more than to see us to come to an ultimate point where we are drawing swords and guns on those of us, not on them. So what I am getting to here is that we have critical choices to make. And part of the awakening is to realize who the puppet masters are. And to listen to what God's telling us. Because God's not telling us to start destroying our neighbors. There is evil, trust me. Evil does exist. Evil permeates through certain areas. But as long as we're following the hand and direction of God, whatever leads forward is what is necessary to win this war. And when we look at the the heroes of Old Testament, David is an example. David didn't just go strolling up to go strike Goliath in the head. David proclaimed what would happen before Goliath as a measure to defend and stand to for his God. But in the end of the day, he acknowledges the one God, the true God, will deliver the final blow. And so David picks up a stone, and we focus on that as David picking up the stone. That isn't David at that point. That is David being guided by Father. And that stone is cast, and it strikes down Goliath. And then the promise is completed, as he stated. He proclaimed it before Goliath, and now he executed every detail, including drawing Goliath's sword and cutting off his own head with it. Our role is not to walk alone. Our role is not to be isolated from the main flow of life. Our role is not to fight and kill one another. They hide within our ranks. They hide within the the rank and file of humanity. Our role is to shake them open into the public eye. Our role is to speak truth to power. Our role is to bring Jesus closer to people's lives. Our role is to get people to prepare in the most important way, which is in their soul first. And as we get closer to those moments when things will finally fall apart, our role is to make sure that the many who fall and are not prepared will have a place to go, a face to trust a prayer to turn to. Never will so much be asked of so few by so many. We're there. We're just a matter of time, whether it's one month, whether it's four months. But the system is shaking. It's starting to come down. And our role has been in preparation for this for many years. And we're now at that near final leg. How will it fall? What will fall first? How bad will it be? I don't know, and neither do we. Does anybody else out there? God knows. But God is paying attention to a very important part of this fight. It's you and it's I. And we are that backbone. We are that peace that will make a difference. We are the ones that can heal the many. We are the ones that can accept the gifts that God has for us when when he needs us to accept them. We are the ones that can literally transform this in the end. As long as we maintain our true trust in him and our walk 
truly in every breath and step with Jesus. They're going for the food. They're going to go for the energy. They're going to go for the money. It's the oldest playbook in the book. Control the food. You control the people. Control the energy. You control the nation. Control the money. You control the world. Nothing new under the sun. So, time for us to step away. Dig into Father. Listen closely and be prepared for whatever we are asked to deliver. That means, again, the sword of steel stays on your hip. The sword of the Spirit is raised mightily over your head. And as we wield it, we shall wield it with precision, and we shall wield both with obedience to what God asks us to do. Patriots, let's pray. Father, we're just very blessed in this time to have come together again in fellowship. And we're blessed to constantly have these moments where we can reflect very deeply on the state of where we stand. These are difficult times, Father. Times when things are being shaken. Times where illusions are falling and deceptions are being revealed. And yet these are equally times that as we learn to listen to what you bring, your voice is profound. It's speaking in volumes, not just in words. So, Father, we just pray for the many to have the ears to truly hear, to trust in their eyes that you give us, to literally walk by faith, not by sight, and to prepare our hearts for the challenges ahead, that through the trust in you, no matter what befalls us, we can overcome. Guide us in these times. Protect us. Lead us, and we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. So, patriots, above all, remember these five things. Get right with Jesus. Get right with Christ. Build that intimate, special, and personal two-way relationship with him. Pray for President Trump. Pray that he becomes a repenting president that will willfully pray, lead this nation in a repenting prayer and this world so that he makes the position that all of us through prayer can return to next to the throne as that is, and that becomes a critical death blow to the cabal. Pray for the healing of First Nations and Last Nations. Let us build the bridge between those that were here first and those that came. Sow seeds, both physically and spiritually, getting your hands dirty and building the strength in our communities and our own homes. And finally, nurture the children and the elderly. Get your children out of public school. Help neighbors that have their children in public school. And don't forget those that have already walked these paths before us, the elderly, whether it's your father or whether it's your mother or whether it's even a friend that's struggling. We have to get back to nurturing them ourselves. That's part of the arc of life. So keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil, never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God will always win. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. Walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Mission forward. Patriots, I will see you tomorrow for bended knee. Until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. All this time we had to prove that we could stand here too. All the nights been pushing through, fight for all we had to lose. Reaching out for something to pull us up to the level ground. Oh, I can see it now. I can see it.
Thank、you. 